Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Hey everyone! Before we get started, I just want to let you know that your input can directly make our shows better. One of the biggest ways to support your favorite shows here is by rating and commenting on iTunes. All of our shows are available in Apple Podcast form on iTunes, and all you have to do is search for AfterBuzz and your favorite show title. Once you're there, leave the show a rating and a comment on why you like the show or any comments you have for the hosts. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to continue to bring you the best shows we possibly can. Hey guys, welcome back to AfterBuzz TV. We are going to be doing a special Game of Thrones weekly review. We're going to be doing a hindsight review of the pilot of Game of Thrones, and it is called, surprisingly, Winter is Coming. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> My name is Amber Plaster. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at Amber Plaster. Uh, I have brought one of my favorite pillows with me. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast on iTunes, um, you can catch the replay on AfterBuzz TV's uh, YouTube channel, specifically AfterBuzz TV's sci-fi, fantasy, and superhero YouTube channel because we are splitting off into genres now, as you know. Um, I couldn't really find a great way to put this pillow at my desk, so I just wanted to show it to you and prove that I have a Stark pillow that says winter is coming and that it is perfect. It has no cat hair on it because it is one of my favorite pillows and I am, the love is real, you guys. So it's here, you just can't see it. It's off camera, okay? Are we believing it? Thank you. Welcome back. Uh, We're gonna be trying something a little bit different today where you're gonna be doing a uh, hindsight review of uh, Game of Thrones because we're able to do something a little bit more in depth with Game of Thrones Weekly uh, where the different hosts that we normally have for Game of Thrones uh, can choose topics that they'd like to cover, go more in depth on, or bring on guests, have theories, have character breakdowns. And something that I thought might be fun would be rewatching the 2011 season one of Game of Thrones. I mean, it's been a long time <laughs> Since we've watched the pilot, since I've watched the pilot, I don't know, maybe you guys are the kind of people who rewatch every single episode up until the new season airs, which major respect if you do. I don't, I can't, I don't have that kind of, like, I need to rewatch Westworld. And I won't. I'm just going to watch season two and have a lot of questions. So if you're doing it that way, you're doing it the correct way. Not the way that I'm doing it. But it has been interesting for me to review the, uh, the pilot. It. One, the pilot is is done really well, I do want to say, um, but it is very interesting to me to see everyone, uh, one, alive, and two, so fresh-faced and innocent and, dare I say, healthy. Whew. Yeah, 
it's a real shock to the system if you uh, if you haven't seen the pilot. So, um, if uh, we're going to be doing this again, hopefully in January, and if I watch season two, hopefully I can live stream it with you guys and we can all watch it together. I think that'd be fun because I think most of you guys have uh, season one on DVD or at least you have access to HBO now. So maybe we get something we could all do together. If you guys are into that, uh, tweet at me and we'll, we'll see if uh, we can arrange a little viewing party together. You might be into that kind of thing. Um, Shout out to uh, Casey and Beth in the chat who are blowing up the chat. I'm going to take questions from you guys a little bit later, but I did want to break down kind of what we saw in the pilot. And uh, and yeah, thanks for for joining you guys. Um, So the opening scene I want to talk about because as you all know, or maybe you don't know, I don't like scary things. I don't like scary things because I'm an actor and things are real to me. My imagination is vivid and I don't like being scared. If something is scary, it will scare me and I don't like it. The opening scene of the pilot of Game of Thrones is by far the scariest cold open of the entire series. I think. No, I don't think. I know. (laughs) Okay. We see, uh, even before we hear anyone speak we hear the hollow wind and then we hear i think one of the first things that we hear is um a wolf howling in the distance and while that's used in a lot of horror films as something as a scare tactic uh wolves are dangerous it's it's signaling that that danger is near it's signaling something that you can't see but it's foreboding to me i took it as a foreshadowing that those magical creatures probably the dire wolves that survived so well in the north that previously hadn't been seen in years have made it down that far south in episode one, which is very, very unusual and foreboding that other things will be coming down far that south. Um, so I, I didn't notice that the first time I watched the pilot, and I wanted to point it out because I don't know if any of you uh, who are going to rewatch it or have rewatched it have picked up on other little parts that they didn't notice the first time around. That, of course, that you wouldn't know until you had seen all of the seasons going back that it was foreshadowing something that's going to happen. Um, and I want to go over a few of those uh, as well. It's, it's, you know, I did look up the um, opening scene score, because I, I found it um, pretty terrifying, to be honest. Um, the sound director, uh, Ramin Jawadi, actually used glass bowls to create the sound of uh, what we know now as the White Walker sounds. It's kind of this, this kind of hollow rumble that we hear almost every single time we see white walkers throughout every single season and it it is foreshadowing in the very beginning of this episode and it is freaky and it is scary and i do not like it and i do not like being beyond the wall very uncomfortable don't like it remember this from the pilot wish it would end white walkers never go away it turns out so spoiler alert if you haven't seen all of the seasons the white walkers don't go away because winter's coming, you guys. And that's the whole premise of the entire series. So if you're like me and you don't like the White Walkers, you're just going to have to get over it. We'll get over it together. Maybe. Don't know. Um, <laughs> I also did notice, and I do think that we discussed this most recently on the, the very last episode, or the second to last episode, uh, where we see John and Danny kind of flirt and get together, right, uh, with the, the carvings on the wall um, at Dragonstone. 
from the, the I believe either it was confirmed or believed to be um, old carvings and symbols from the first children. Back in the pilot, we see those dead bodies arranged in that same kind of um, circular symbol that we later see carved um, by the children. And I, I don't know if it's confirmed that it's exactly the same symbol, but it gives you a reason to think that the person that killed all those bodies and the little glowing-eyed child that was, like, super creepy in the first episode um, was not only thirsty for blood, but psychotic or evil in that they, they took the time to tear apart these bodies and these horses and arrange them in a way that was pleasing to them. It gives you an idea of what you're about to be dealing with. And uh, I didn't realize that those body parts were arranged in a specific symbol. I, th- I think that we went back to that this last season when we started seeing a lot more symbolism. But the first time I watched the pilot, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, although it was super cool to see Uncle Benjamin looking so fresh. Am I right? He was looking real fresh, you guys. <sighs> what can I say? He's got great eyes, you know? He just does. I was so torn apart by Uncle Benjamin going missing. One, in the books. I know we're not talking about the books, but also was very upset about missing him in the books. Was looking for him everywhere. Books two and three. When he came back this season, I, I mean... I was like, I don't even care anymore. Like, I don't, like, I remember caring. Like, I kind of remember caring. They took way too long to bring him back. So it was kind of good to see him in his uh, heyday of uh, being alive uh, and unfrozen. Uh, but they did take way, way too long to bring back that character. And I am not a fan of that. I'm a fan of being misled and, like, having surprises in a TV show. And Game of Thrones is definitely ripe with that. But that Uncle Benjamin story, you guys. Come on now. Come on. Um, I did think it was interesting that with the tagline of uh, winter is coming, uh, and I want to talk about Danny for a minute because this episode has a lot of gratuitous nudity, which HBO is known for using, um, especially in their pilots, to attract their viewership it's something that hbo is known for doing it's something that showtime is known for doing it doesn't make the story any less interesting but i was almost shocked by how much nudity and sex and rape (laughs) there was uh in the pilot i had forgotten about it but it it does happen in the books as well and so in a way i'm fine with them honoring that but I do have a bone to pick with the Danny and uh, Carl Drogo marriage slash maybe rape scene. Um, Danny is a total victim in the pilot. She is, in the books, I think supposed to be 11. Um, she's very, very young. She's a young teenager in the books. I think they kind of age her up a little bit in the show, but she's definitely not 18 uh, in the show. She's meant to be quite young. Um, she gets abused by her brother who's super creepy and is the clear villain. Um, Speaking of villain, I will get to the Lannisters and how interesting they are in the pilot. Uh, 
but Viserys is definitely someone that we get to hate in the pilot. He is a, a cold-blooded villain who abuses his little sister, sells her off for basically sex slavery, or so that he can get a kingdom, maybe, but also maybe not. He doesn't care. He sees his family as an asset, as an object. Um, and it is nice to have a clear-cut villain because we don't have anything like that anymore in Game of Thrones. Everything is just about survival now, and everything is just so layered and complicated that you can't even really say that anybody's a villain or a hero uh, where we are currently in Game of Thrones. So it was a little bit refreshing to see that. Um, but in the books, Danny. Uh, there's a scene where Carl Drogo and Danny meet, and he and he only the only word that he understands is no, and he's like no, and they're kind of touching and kissing, and he's like no, and then she kind of decides like no, I you know what, I can do this, I like you, let let's do this, and she teaches him a new word, she teaches him yes, and it's a very sweet moment, and it justifies why she cares about bearing his child, a little bit more to me, but. I do understand that everyone in this episode, I would say even this season, every single character this season, no character betters their situation. Um, and I feel like that works really well with the tagline of winter is coming because it's just foreboding, just dread. Just this entire season is just foreboding everything to get worse. So I do think that the reason that Viserys terrorizing Danny. Um, and the reason that Danny doesn't consent to her wedding night with Khal Drogo in the TV show, she, she just cries. She doesn't, she definitely does not say yes, which, which is important guys. Um, I think the reason that the writers did that is to show us a longer struggle for Danny, uh, so that they could eke out her progress much much slower because they knew that she was going to become this badass with dragons and become a fighter they wanted to keep her a victim a little bit longer which personally would not have been my choice but i had forgotten a lot about that scene um hadn't forgotten about call drogo but uh did not like rewatching that personally <laughs> you guys can skip it if you if you want to but i also uh realize that there's a lot of this is an information dense episode and i think this is where i first heard the term um what is it sexplaining and i think that term got coined uh by hbo for using sex scenes specifically to deliver information to us so essentially being like Hey guys, here's two naked girls in a tub. We have to tell you how the Lannisters are related now. Look at these two naked girls in the tub while we tell you information because there's going to be a lot of information coming at your brain. Please stay interested. Look over here while we give you the information. It's kind of like sugarcoating the exposition a little bit. Um, and there was a lot of that in the pilot. Uh, and I, I, I can't even blame them because they had to set up a lot of families and uh, a lot of different lands. And uh, I was really impressed that they even managed to get us to care about the Starks, much less the Lannisters. I don't really know. You guys can tell me if you got interested in the Lannisters in uh, episode one. I didn't. I found Tyrion to be very charming. I didn't care about the incest. I didn't 
particularly care about the twins uh, in the very first episode uh, for me. I, th- I, I didn't really... Maybe it was because too much information was being thrown at me, but they didn't strike me as particularly one thing or another. They didn't strike me as particularly evil, which is strange because he definitely pushes a child out of a window, Bran. But I think there was just so much information being thrown at me that I wasn't able to register how I felt about the Lannisters, which is why it was interesting to have the salt of the earth Starks and I thought it was a, a compliment to the writers of the show to even get us to care about a family much less one character by the end of the pilot um, and it was also the, as much as we're ever going to see of the dire wolves in that show uh, it was that was really cute seeing the dire wolf pull, pups get pulled up from the snow again and John gets the, the lame white one and it's adorable uh, by the way where is ghost do we want to talk about how Ghost has been MIA and it's it's really not fair? Because I'd like to. I need to like have like a little pin. It's like, where's Ghost? <laughs> Bring him back. Bring him back. Um, some people in the chat are saying, uh, Casey in the chat is saying, I fell in love with Cersei from the get-go. Casey, I believe you. She is a very interesting woman. Um, George R. R. Martin denies sexplaining when interviewed on Wait, Don't Tell... Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. Oh, okay, well, Wellington, I, I don't think that George R. R. Martin does that. I think HBO and maybe HBO's editors kind of did that a little bit. Um, and, unless George R. R. Martin had full control over every bit of editing and every bit of writing in the pilot, I, I don't think that George would do something like that. But I do think that it happens. And I think it happens a lot in Showtime shows, like Shameless which is an amazing show if you guys haven't seen it, and HBO, because it's a really great way to get information across without boring your audience or isolating your audience. Ghost is a ghost because it's, they're under budget. Oh, that's right. They're under budget. They wanted to do the zombie polar bear instead. I would have just appreciated hearing something about where he is. Like, oh, how's Ghost? Oh, he's guarding Castle Black or something. I want to know. He's a character to me. He's important to me, you guys. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I do think it interesting. Uh, let's talk about Bran a little bit. Our little Bran Bran. So cute to see him be a little kid. I, I always think of him as being a little kid. And then I, I went back and watched the pilot and I was like, oh, he was young when we started this journey. He was like nine, eight or nine. It looked like he looked super young. <laughs> um, I did notice because I feel that Bran has made quite a, a journey as a character. He used to be so outgoing and playful and now he's like dead inside. <laughs> um... But really, going back and rewatching the pilot, I realized how similar Bran is set up to be as the Three-Eyed Raven in the pilot. He is basically on the top of the castle, watching over the castle, right? The only one watching, using his vision. Then he climbs down when he sees uh, King Robert Baratheon approaching with the Lannisters. And he says, I think to his parents, he says like, uh, I, I see the king. I see the king coming. I see him. He's coming and he's bringing a lot of people. It's a little too similar to seeing the Night King, who I lovingly refer to as Kevin. 
uh, because he's annoying. And that's my brother's name. Uh, it's very, very similar to him seeing the Night King. And uh, it's very chilling that instead of uh, Ned reciting the family mantra, Bran does, which kind of gives you an idea of how much he understands. He's like an old soul at an early age. And I didn't read him as that uh, going into it. But they do kind of set him up as somebody who's observant. And also, he sees the Lannisters having sex. And and that's another thing that he sees that is not good that literally pushes him into danger even more. Um, so Bran has a history of seeing things that others can't or shouldn't at the very get-go of the pilot. And I did not pick up on that Uh from the first time watching it around. So I think for anybody that is going to be watching the, the pilot, that would be a real treat uh, to see see everything that Bran sees, you know? <laughs> uh, speaking of noticing things, uh, my favorite girl, my number one, Arya, um, is real cute in this episode. I did appreciate seeing her practice with her bow and arrow. Um, I did appreciate the conversation of her rejecting being a lady. Uh, she's she's kind of the only character until we until we meet Brienne who rejects gender roles in this series, and it's not only refreshing, but it, it makes it almost different from any other fantasy series that I've seen lately. Um, and uh, I did find it very interesting that Arya uh, waited to say her name. When King Baratheon was was uh, meeting everyone and greeting everyone, he was like, oh, and what's your name? And she just stares at him. Does a girl have a name? Does she? It's a real great moment, you guys. She takes a beat. She takes a long beat. And I didn't notice that the first time around. Another thing that I noticed is Arya uh, notices the hound when his face is covered. So she not only looks at the knights coming in like, oh, man, I want to be a knight. I want to go and I want to fight. But she sp they specifically show a shot of the hound. And she like she's not checking him out, but she's noticing him. She's noticing his presence and she's sensing it. And she knows that there's something there. Um, so that was cool. I didn't even remember that the hound was even there. But it would make sense because uh, he protects the Lannisters. So, of course, it would make sense that he was there earlier on in this episode. I did also realize that at the very beginning, uh, we're learning a lot about um, King Robert Baratheon's first love, which was Ned's sister. We feel that she kind of has a ghostly presence over season one um, and how upset he is about it. And all we see uh, Cersei react to that is just like the whole pilot. She's just not concerned. She's not impressed. She's not concerned. And she's just like, I don't, she's like, I don't really care about the dead. Why are we still speaking about this girl? Winter's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all superstitious. And this has not changed. I would say out of any character, she has remained the most her throughout every single season. Because even when a half of a White Walker is brought to her in this past season as proof that things are getting really bad, 
She's like, yeah, well, uh, let's focus on me first because uh, we, we... Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all these shows for you free is by our amazing sponsors, and today Spotify is one of our sponsors. On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Premium users can even download episodes to listen to offline, wherever they are, and you can easily share what you're listening to with all your friends and following on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for AfterBuzz TV on Spotify or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure you follow us so you never miss an episode of AfterBuzz TV. Got time. I'm not really gonna... Yeah, I don't really want to deal with that, so... <laughs> she's, uh... She's, she's nothing if not consistent, you guys. And I appreciate that about her. <laughs> Yeah, I do think Arya is probably one of the coolest characters on Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, I, I really, really do love her, and I, uh, I will be having a very hard, quiet day the day that they kill off her character because nobody is safe, and I know that. Uh, I did forget about Danny's scalding hot bath. And I, I remember thinking that it was something weird when they bathe her. I thought maybe it was something about that was like Dothraki tradition, uh, you know, maybe torturing their wives slash women that had to marry them and have their babies and have sex with them no matter what they wanted. So I guess you would call that a wife. Um, I would also call it a sex slave, but, you know, history. <laughs> uh I thought that maybe it had something to do with, like, maybe torturing them, and I was so wrong. It was there to, well, maybe I wasn't wrong, but I, I don't think that was the reason, that was the intention of the writers now, that scene where we see Danny naked getting into the scalding hot bath that would, like, literally burn anyone else. We see that foreshadowing that not only is she going to be the mother of the dragons because fire runs in her uh, veins, but we also see that it's kind of foreshadowing that she is going to be the unburnt in that scene. And I didn't know that that happened so early on in the season, you guys. Um, I know that it was for, it was uh, rumored earlier on in the books, but I didn't, I didn't remember that it was actually shown to us. It was physically shown to us that she was unburnable. Is that a word? It is now that she was unburnable. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, exactly. So Beth is saying in the chat, did the bath really hurt her, though, since she walks through fire so easily? Exactly. I think that she, the actress, did a pretty good job of not showing if she was just trying to stay strong or if she could really withstand the heat. Because perhaps she feels the heat, but she doesn't burn. Maybe she feels the pain, but it doesn't affect her. I don't, I don't know. But she did a pretty good job of not really showing either way on her face what was happening at least to me in that scene she didn't look like she was getting scalded so it was very interesting for me to see john and theon and all of those cute little boys look so young um back at winterfell uh it's so crazy to see them look almost like I don't want to say chubby, but, like, just so, like, youthful and, like, soft and adorable. Like, any other episodes you're going to see them, they look like they have been 
through hell. There's no other way to, to put it. They look awful um, throughout like every other season. So uh, it was very interesting to see them like uh, get their faces shaved and their hair cut and see them be playful and kids, you know. Um, but I think my least favorite thing, actually, I think one of my least favorite things about the episode uh, for the pilot is how much Catelyn hates John. And how mean she is to him. I hated the aspect of the book and I hate the aspect of the show. And I know that they tried to humanize Catelyn a little bit more. And I understand why Catelyn had those feelings towards her, the love of her life's bastard son. It was a reminder of his infidelity, which obviously it turns out he was never unfaithful. Um, but I really do wish that he would have let her in on that secret because she is trustworthy and it would have been a huge game changer uh, for that. But I really, really hated seeing how mean she was to John. I, it makes my skin crawl. I don't like it when people are mean to children. It's not their fault. You just need to, just need to be, uh, you don't have to be overly warm, but you also don't have to be abusive. That's how I feel about that. So, didn't quite miss seeing Catelyn in that particular environment. Um... Oh, and I also had forgotten that John met Tyrion in the pilot. Completely, and not only that, but he Tyrion gave John some uh, pretty good advice. He's like, "Hey, your weakness, wear it as a shield because it's always going to be with you." And uh, you know, I'm an imp, and I own it. And no matter how many times people try to make fun of me for it, they can't because I acknowledge it. I pretty much yes and the crap out of everyone that makes fun of me. I will make fun of myself 10 times more than anyone. So you're a bastard. You own that. And you don't let anybody else take that from you. And he was kind of like, okay. And that kind of benefits both of them later on when we see them meet back up at Dragonstone and, and team up. Um, I, was like, I was like, oh, yeah, they know each other. How do they know each other? Was it from what? Uh, it was from a few different meetings. Um, and, and I do remember them meeting at, Win at uh, Castle Black when they go up there to learn about the wall and everything. But I didn't remember that they had met in the very beginning of the pilot and sort of run, dare I say, friendly acquaintance terms in the very beginning. Um, so turns out John and uh, Tyrion go way, way back. It was cute to see. <laughs> uh, she was very abusive. Yes, yes. Uh, Cersei is a lot like Catelyn. Oh. Oof, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess minus the incest. Cersei's a lot like Catelyn. Um, I do love the arc of Jon and Tyrion. I actually enjoy the arc of Tyrion more in the books than the TV show. Um, Tyrion actually has a, a lot more of a love life. And, um, you know, obviously inner dialogue because you're able to read his thoughts in the books. And they are clever and painful and heartbreaking and adventurous and super interesting um so for those of you who haven't read the books even if you just scroll through and read Tyrion's chapters i don't think that you'll be disappointed uh truly because he has some he has some real adventures <laughs> and you get real nervous for him uh, let me tell you uh catelyn is willing to work within the rules to protect her family and herself uh and cersei is Though. Okay, you're, so you're saying Catelyn is willing to work harder, but within the rules of morality? 
Uh, whereas Cersei is, is Cersei will do literally anything, L- literally anything, uh, to preserve her family. And that's what precisely makes her so dangerous. Uh, they both love their family very much and are willing to do anything to protect them. Okay. All right. I'm, okay. Uh, well, I wish a little bit of that love uh, could flow on over to uh, John. But all right. <laughs> you would think that if you love your family that much, you would have a heart that's big enough for other people as well. But, uh, ah, as is Game of Thrones. <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Wellington Smith in the chat said, both women are super insecure. uh, And they both have outsiders in their castles. You know, I never thought about them being insecure. But you're right. They are. They they have a reason to be insecure. They they have much less power than their male counterparts. And they uh, are both, well, I don't want to say they're both married. They're both in positions they don't want to be in. That's for sure. And they're both put into positions they don't want to be in and are wielding every persuasive word and every letter and every meeting with all the ounces of power that they think they can muster. So they're just like, they are just on edge for every scene because they, they, they don't have that much security. They don't have that much power and they want it like everyone in Game of Thrones, right? Uh, I didn't think about that. Great point point you guys uh i i do think to a certain extent ned and robert were insecure but i don't think i don't know that ned is insecure as much as he is cautious you know we we see him get that letter that the lannister's last hand to the king was killed and that makes him really triple check if he's gonna be robert's hand which you know it's like he trusts robert he loves him there's there's no love lost there, but he doesn't want to leave his family. But now he has this this thing where he, he's also like, uh, also, I could die. Uh, gonna need to let run that by my family. Also, who am I going to leave Winterfell to? Rob? He's like 17. What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, a lot of things running through his head. I, I don't know if I see that as insecurity as much as actual danger. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was very interesting seeing all of these foreshadowing events and character traits uh, come up in the pilot. And and I hope that you guys enjoy uh, rewatching as much as I did. Um, if you guys are uh, having a good time with this rewind, uh, let us know. I, I, I would definitely like to do more of these. Uh, we'll be starting back up. I, I think there will be, we'll be closed December 22nd through January 1st. Um, so there will be a few more uh, Game of Thrones weekly episodes coming out on Sundays at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, we will pick back up in January. Uh, but I would love to continue doing these rewind videos uh, with you and maybe have a, a live viewing party. If you guys are into that, definitely let me know. Also, I have some questions for you that you can tweet to me or leave in the comments below. I will be in the comments for the next week or so. Who do you think has changed the most since season one? Now watching the pilot, who do you, what character do you think has changed the most? I know what character I think it is. I think, I mean, okay, Bran literally turned from a boy into a tree. It's Bran. It's Bran. But, I mean, besides Bran, who else do you think? (laughs) Also, I want to know what character you miss the most. Uh, Is it Ned? Is it Cat? 
Is it Rob? We all know it's not Rickon. So don't don't even play. Okay. <laughs> we didn't even have a chance to get to know him, so don't even play like you miss Rickon, because you don't. <laughs> um anyway, yeah, so I think that's it for season one, episode one, Winter is Coming in hindsight review. Uh I really enjoyed discussing and remembering all of these juicy details from the pilot, which is stock full of information and some really healthy, youthful, adorable looking actors, uh, some of which I miss very much. I do miss Ned. I really liked him. And I actually really liked Kat, aside from the abusive part to John. <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed uh, discussing this with you guys. If you want to keep the conversation going, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at Amber Plaster. Uh, I have a Star Wars React series that I am going to be catching up on with The Last Jedi. If you guys are into Star Wars, I will be watching the newest Star Wars uh, with my other AfterBuzz TV co-host, uh, Renee Ariel. We'll be doing a review of that on my channel. Uh, and then next coming week or two so be on the lookout for that and until then happy holidays i will see you guys in january from executive producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire AfterBuzz tv staff we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz tv network to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.